A stu stu Studio D production. <laughs> Harum. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a you guys to sing, and I forgot to sing. <laughs> anyway, start at the ooze. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mary Dyer, the Quaker, was a mover and a shaker, exiled from the home that she loved. She refused to believe, yet refused to leave, so they hung her from the branches up above. Yes, they hung her from the branches up above. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Sit down, I want to tell you a story A really weird and messed up story With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled It's effed up family story time Hello everyone, welcome to effed up family story time I'm Salem And I'm Hannah and here today we have Kelly. That's me. And Belle. Hey guys. Yay. Kelly's back from vacation. Woo. Woo. Yay. I would like to go back on vacation now. Yay. When does that start? Yeah. <laughs> At retirement. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh retirement. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, Yay. I know. So we're here on this beautiful, hot summer day. Recording our 32nd episode. What, are you wow. kidding me? 32nd. 32nd episode. It's almost <laughs> as old as me. Wow. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm 33. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> winky, winky. Yeah, I know you're not. <laughs> no. You're lo- so... So how was your vacation, Kelly? It was really great. Yeah. I went to Alaska. Yay. That's cool. And it was fun. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> was it like northern exposure? Um <laughs> no. But <laughs> but I thought about northern exposure so much before I went and when I was there and you can't watch it anywhere because no streaming platforms will uh be able to stream it because of all the music that is in it. Oh. And so I have the first and second season on DVD, but like I don't have easy I have it all. Ways has all to, of it. I have all, all of it? them, but I lost one of my seasons. I think, I think it's you lost the, the first second one. first or second season is missing, but it's probably in a box somewhere, but I can't find it. Wasn't it a Christmas present? Yeah, I asked for the box set. They oh, were yeah, selling it on PBS that. and um, I asked for it for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good show. And I will say parts of Alaska are 100% northern exposure we just didn't go to those parts i i really want to experience like the the way the days and nights are the yeah. long so how was it when you were there yeah it was wild because it's middle of summer so it was almost always light and so especially the further north we went so when we went up into denali it was it was like dark between like two and four in the morning and wow. that was it yeah. uh, and even still like there was still a little color in the sky i think for most of that um so yeah we landed at like we got to our hotel at one o'clock and it was like twilighty outside. Oh, weird. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was really weird. It was really cool. And all the places we slept, you know, had blackout blinds and stuff. So yeah. like I, we I would just make a habit of being like, oh, let's 
shut the blinds as we're hanging out in the evening to kind of get ready for for bed. But then like you wake up in the middle of the night and you see the light coming in the corner and you're like, it could be 11 o'clock at night or it could be like <laughs> five o'clock in the morning. It could Weird. like it could be so many different times or four o'clock in the morning and midnight. Like you and have I no know, idea. I've, I've heard that people when it's dark, the majority of the time they have to like expose themselves to UV lights to help with like yeah. their mood or and, like vitamin D lamps and stuff and or like taking vitamin D supplements. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I've always wanted to experience that. So it wasn't dark long enough for you. You didn't see any northern lights. No. And they actually, I didn't know this, but I learned that the northern lights are there like all the time. It's just you literally can't see them at all in the summer because it doesn't get there. Yeah. It's just not not dark enough. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember the time that I saw the northern lights out in our front yard on (laughs) Cooper Street. Here in Colorado. Really? That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was getting up. I had driver's ed in the morning. And so it's one of those like zero hour classes. I had to be there at like six in the morning for mm-hmm. driver's ed. So grandma's driving me to work. I walk out. I'm all tired and shit. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and it just looked like somebody opened a refrigerator on the sky. It was like these big blocks of like green and pink kind of fluctuating light. Oh, weird. It was really kind what? of cool just What's, in the sky. What was that? Was it in the, Borealis. in the winter time? I think it was in the fall. Maybe it was like when we, I don't know. I don't remember though. Or maybe, I don't remember. I had to look up what causes like auroras and aurora borealis. And it's apparently collisions between electrically charged particles in the Earth's atmosphere. So I guess it can happen anywhere. <laughs> Wait, but what, what kind of collisions? Is it like... Energy collision. I don't like get splitting it. the atom. I don't even. I don't understand. It's science. <laughs> it's just particles that are running into each other. Is it like other. like cold particles? So it's like like lightning's. <laughs> less I think I think they have cousin? to be cold enough because this thing said that it happens in winter, which yeah. would make sense why like in Alaska it happens year round because it's cold and always up cold, there. Yeah. I don't know. No. I am a music major, so I, I don't, yeah, no I know for a fact that I saw them because grandma was there for one and two, then on the news, like on the radio later mm, that mm-hmm. day, they were talking about it. Ooh. And I was like, oh, I saw those because I had to go to driver's ed. <laughs> See, they don't even offer in school Crappy anymore. Crappy early nope. morning classes for the win. See uh-huh. what happens when you uh-huh. do away with all of these extracurricular classes I will for say, kids. They miss the opportunity to see the Aurora Borealis. That waking up and getting to work at 4.30 a.m. would not be as bearable as it is if it weren't for the moon. That's true. Every day I wake up. Oh, it was beautiful yesterday, that full moon. (laughs) Every day I wake up and I walk out and I'm like, the moon. And then it like gives me (laughs) hope to keep going. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I've like started doing this thing with Kyle. Anytime we're anywhere and it's like dark out or even if you can see the moon in the daytime, I'll be like, Kyle, look at the moon because I'm obsessed with the moon. (laughs) And now Kyle. She's a Leo, but she's obsessed with the the moon. moon. (laughs) But I, Kyle has started doing that too. He'll go, babe, look at the moon. And I'll be like, the moon. (laughs) It just He's just learned. Of... Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, just... <laughs> it just makes me think of hair. Because there's that one part in hair uh, where they're like, look at the moon, look at the moon. <laughs> That's it's, it. It's fair. <laughs> I was going to say, it's just that Kyle has just learned that if he just points out the moon, then he's going to get some brownie points. Oh, and you're be like, oh thanks, babe. He knows his simple wife. He's like, if I point out the moon, she'll be happy with me. She seems kind of pissy this morning. Hey, look, Belle the moon. <laughs> or, hey, look, the cat. That, that works the cat. Yeah, that works. Yeah, he's, he's good at that. 
Well, do we want to move on to the story? I did have a story that I, I was, was going to tell. I thought you had something. Okay, so <laughs> this is kind of funny. It just was like such a weird interaction. So there's this older guy that came into work, and he comes out after the appointment's over, and we're chatting, and he starts talking about UFOs. You see how the government's releasing all this information on UFOs and stuff? And I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm really excited He's about that. Like, like this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and cool the reality is, is that his dog had a problem with his eye and he's one of those that he gets like minimal vaccines at the shelter. We may not ever see him again, but I'm like, this guy's cool. I like <laughs> him. Right. He's nice. But he says, you need to look up Operation High Jump. I'm like, OK, I write it down. And then we talked a little bit more about like some black pyramid that they're starting to see at one of the polar caps because the ice caps are melting is like buried and, and a couple other things we were talking about. But um, so last night. I'm looking up Operation High Jump, and it was this, um, it was led by Admiral Byrd, which I think we all have heard that name before, at least I have, just in history. No, and it but was this, I'm dumb. It was this expedition <laughs> to the Antarctic where they, I, I mean, I, so I don't know what he wanted me to find because I couldn't find anything, like I'd put in Operation High Jump with UFO, and then it comes up with like... Really weird shit. But all I could find on just Operation High Jump was a video made like in 1948 of the Navy going on this expedition to the Antarctic. And it was just basically them getting ready. And it was so funny. <laughs> you got to watch it. It's like the worst reality TV in the world. <laughs> but what I thought was really weird is at one point, as the boat crosses the equator, they raise... The Holly Jolly, or no, the Jolly, sorry. They raise the Jolly Rogers flag <laughs> to signify that they've gone over. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just picturing like a like Christmas themed flag. It's got like all mistletoe. Holly, and, like Jolly Santa in the corner or something. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they raise the Jolly Rogers flag, which I think is the pirates. Flag. The, yeah, that's yeah. the, yeah. And they have this. And I don't know, initiation or something, but these guys, okay, so all the guys on the ship, they use this thing where they line the inside of their, like, it's like a, almost like a air compressor or something. And they put, um, what was it? I had it written down, but it's on the other computer. Cylinder oil and I can't remember what the other thing was. Anyway, and it's like they spray this into their body through Ew. their mouth, and then they have to go over and kiss this one guy's big belly, and then <laughs> they run down this, like, aisle where they get flogged, essentially, as they're running. When they show the beginning of the ceremonies, there's this one guy that's walking. It looks like he's wearing, like, a wrestler's leotard <laughs> with, like, this red bag over his head with no eyes. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And this that's is terrifying. the Navy. This was the Navy in, the, in 1947 was it real or, or was it, is it? It's a real documentary. It's very fucking weird. Right. So that was my story. It was just a weird, like, this really cool <laughs> old guy that came in, talked to me about UFOs, and then keyed me into this uh, bizarre documentary. Yeah. No, that's weird. <laughs> was, I'll have to tell him. I'll have to ask him, what am I supposed to look up if he comes back? What am I supposed to look up about Operation like, Hijack? Was that the video you wanted me to see? Because that what was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, do we want to get into the story now? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Do you want to tell us your sources? Um. Yes, I had a lot of them. 
And I feel like the last time I had sources, I just rambled on and on and listed source after source <laughs> after source. Maybe just so I think the most I'm going to give like the yeah the really important ones, which is um, Legends Wait. of America. What should you say? What your story is first? Um, so yes, my story is about. Alaska, because I just came back from Alaska, (laughs) and I was really depressed and missed Alaska, and I tend to like to write stories about things that are relevant, or like Uh tell stories about things that are relevant, so I'm going to tell you all about the Alaska Triangle. Yeah. Spooky, spooky. So my primary sources were uh, this writer who lives in Alaska Alaska called Robin Bearfield, um, and then also Legends of America, and Anchorage Press, and... Uh, strange outdoors and a little Wikipedia. Great. Okay. Cool. cool. All right. So <laughs> the Alaska Triangle gets its name from the Bermuda Triangle, which is much, much more famous, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it more sinister? I don't know. No. I don't think so. No, it's actually not. But the Bermuda Triangle is an area of ocean. It's almost entirely open water down between Florida, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda. And there's lots of ships and planes who have disappe- that have disappeared down there. And there's all sorts of weird stuff that happens down there. But interestingly, it doesn't actually have that high of an incident rate of disappearances compared to other similar areas of open water. It says here... That the World Wildlife Fund conducted a study in 2013 and determined that the Bermuda Triangle is not one of the world's most dangerous bodies of water in terms of shipping. Uh, And in fact, there's heavy daily traffic through there by sea and by air. um, And it's one of the most heavily traveled shipping lanes in the world. And it's not actually just in terms of incident rates of like shipping disasters or missing ships or things like that. It's not actually higher than other shipping lanes in the world. I just think that that's kind of funny. Like, if it's so heavily traveled, it would make sense that there would be so many disappearances and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, if it's one of the most traveled shipping areas. Right, exactly. You know. And, like, and I think that that's the point. It's just, yeah. like, when you actually do the math, it's not actually that scary. Um, but I will say, this is not a podcast about the Bermuda Triangle, but there's, like, a lot of crazy shit that's happened down there and the mm-hmm. stories and stuff. So I'm not saying that it's complete bull, but I'm just saying it's interesting to me that uh, the Alaska Triangle is often sometimes called the Alaska's Bermuda Triangle or the <laughs> Bermuda Triangle of Alaska, which is really dumb because like Bermuda is a place and it just sounds really well, ridiculous. Just call it the Alaska <laughs> Triangle. But, yeah, it's yeah. just the Alaska Triangle. But it's actually significantly more dangerous than the Bermuda Triangle. So it gets its oh. name from the more famous Bermuda Triangle. But this place is way, way, way spookier and creepier. Is it like the Alaska Triangle? Is it mostly like land or is it... Yeah, so it's boat. It's a lot of of different types of, okay. of areas, but yeah, it's mostly overland. Um, so it covers the triangle is between Anchorage, Juneau, and Barrow. So I don't know if you know anything about Alaska, but Anchorage is in the south central part of Alaska, right on the coast. Juneau is down along the southeast. Um, what do you call those little things that stick out? Peninsula, peninsula. yeah, the southeast peninsula of the state. And then Barrow is at the top. It is actually the northernmost city in Alaska. And my husband is now obsessed with going there after we went to Alaska and he watched some (laughs) YouTube videos. So we might be going to Barrow at some point. Um, But it is the northernmost city in the U.S. and it's at the tippy tippy top. 
So it kind of creates this obtuse triangle, so you can kind of picture it. Yes, I had to Google that because I couldn't remember from math class what the <laughs> from, name of the triangle was. 12, you know, <laughs> sixth grade math class. <laughs> right, from all those years ago. But the point at Anchorage is a wider than 90 degree angle, and so that's what makes it obtuse. And then so it goes almost straight up to Barrow and then connects kind of skinny-like down to Juno. So I'm gesturing with my hands for those of you at home. But for those of you at home, <laughs> you can just Google it and look for a picture. I just think it's interesting. I've been seeing a lot of conspiracy theories on TikTok about like national parks and like yeah. disappearances in national parks and stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of what this is making me think of. Yeah, like they have all this protected land and nobody wants to release like the bodies that have gone missing there. Or, like any information about that. It's all pretty suspicious. Yeah. And <laughs> the Alaska Triangle covers Denali National Park, which is a oh. huge, huge mm -hmm. national park. And it also covers just tons of wilderness land. Mm -hmm. Um, that is uninhabited and just out in the middle of nowhere. Isn't a lot of Alaska just like fully uninhabited? Yes, actually. Because it's Let just me like find my notes on habitable. that. <laughs> I will respond to that here if I can. Yes. So um, Alaska is the biggest state in the U.S. by far. Uh, it is one fifth of the entire lower 48 landmass. Dang. However, its population is 731,545 in 2018. That's so tiny. Which is so, so, so tiny. Um, so that's a lot of open space. It's yeah. a lot, get a lot of open in, space. Yeah. And to give you a little bit of context, I was just trying to like place it in comparison to other places. So the Denver Metro is almost the same size as the, or no, I'm sorry, Denver proper, because we live in Denver, is almost the same size as the entire state of Alaska. Whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> the Denver Metro is 2,932,000. So that's... What like Jeez. oh man I did the math before how many that's like four times the size of the state of Alaska holy shit and it is the nineteenth largest metro in the nation and you said that yeah Alaska, we're not even a big city you said yeah. that Alaska <laughs> is one fifth, fifth of the, the landmass mm -hmm. of the entire lower, lower forty eight that's insane yeah so we're that's talking insane. tons of open space tons of open space I want to go and I know it's pretty <laughs> awesome and interestingly um. So, you know, Texans always like to say that they're like, everything's bigger in Texas. And I think Alaskans are a little sensitive about that because <laughs> I read this in my research and I was like, yes, I had like three tour guides say the exact same thing to me. One of their favorite things that they like to say is if you cut Alaska in half, Texas would be the third largest state in the union. Oh, my God. <laughs> because Alaska is twice as big as Texas. So I just appreciate that saltiness. Um, but yeah, it's a big, big, big ass state. Um, so the other thing about the triangle is that it also covers, you know, huge areas of uninhabited land, but it also covers a bunch of Alaskan towns and really most of the population of Alaska would pretty much fit in this area um, because it goes over Fairbanks, Wasilla, Denali National Park, and the triangle actually even cuts into Canada a little bit. So part of the Yukon in Canada okay. is considered in the triangle. A um, couple other little tidbits about Alaska. Uh, there is more coastline than in any other state, more inland water than in any other state. There are over 1,000 glaciers in Alaska. There's like over 3 million lakes, right? Something yeah, like yes, that. Yeah, it was something insane like that. <laughs> I was um, like, what? Yeah, so it covers <laughs> land, to answer your question, Belly, but also lots of rivers, lots of lakes, and coastline, and going along the uh, Southeast Peninsula that has kind of like islands and different things. Mm -hmm. Um, so it covers a lot, a lot of area. Is how so if we take the Alaska Triangle as far as like mass and compare it to the Bermuda Triangle? 
Yeah, I love that you asked that because I actually tried to find that information. And then I was like, I don't know. And I just deleted it from my story. (laughs) So the Bermuda Triangle. I'm sorry, I brought it up. (laughs) (laughs) The Bermuda Triangle, they say, was somewhere between 500 square miles to 1,500 square miles. Um, But I couldn't find the number for the Alaska Triangle, and I could have just done the math. But then I would have to remember how to find the area of a triangle. triangle. So that's when I just deleted it from my story. Um, (laughs) But it is definitely, definitely bigger than the Bermuda Mm. Triangle. But I don't know to like like what scale. Okay. Anybody listening, if they want to answer that question for us, feel free to comment or email or comment on any of our posts. um, FFSthepodcast at at gmail.com. Yes, and do the math for us, please. Please, we don't want to. Do the hard work for us, and we'll just entertain you. I think all (laughs) of us were liberal arts majors. Yeah. Yeah. I had to take um, remedial algebra when I went Uh to college. (laughs) I took, what did they call it? It was like... Math for liberal arts. I don't even know what they called it. Yeah, no, it was like, it was basically math for liberal arts, and we spent 90% of the class learning how to do fractions. (laughs) I actually feel, though, like how to find the area of a triangle is something I should remember. A plus B equals C. Is it the Pythagorean theorem? Well, I know that that's how you find C, but I don't know how to find the area after that. I know that it's like to find, because to find the area of a triangle, don't you have to find first the area of a square and then divide it? If it is an isosceles triangle. And that's the problem. Then you can find. Is an obtuse a, scaling oh, triangle, yeah, and, and yes, awkward. I'm using the right terms. I think you. I think you need to have like cosine. And <laughs> I think you're right. I think I think like something. No, like cosine's for like circles, or is it? it? It's no. No, I think it is for pi is for circles. Pi I feel circles. like we're just that's why they call them pi. I think so. I think that's why they call them pi. Cosine <laughs> and <laughs> is it pi for circles? Do you do three point one four times that something or else? You, yeah, yeah. Like it's like the radius times three point one four. Maybe pi. They call them pi because Pi has to do with circles. That is 100% not why they call them circle. No. A pizza pie and a fruit pie. (laughs) All right. I think we're embarrassing ourselves with a lack of math knowledge. So let's just jump. Um, So one other tidbit I wanted to say about more science I don't understand is that... um, I'm value for X. (laughs) Is that Alaska uh, has more earthquakes than any other U.S. region and is one of the most seismically active places in the entire world. So just another little tidbit about Alaska. And they have like a ton of volcanoes, active volcanoes. Sure, I didn't. Yeah, I probably. I, yeah, yeah, I read that. I did read that. Thanks. Good. <laughs> no, they have Mom like a has a surprising active. amount of facts about Alaska just well, because of her obsession from northern exposure no. and the amount of research. No, that I'm she's Kelly's asset, uh, assistant. Yeah, also known as number me. two. Yeah, but how much of this information did you know before because of your... No, I didn't. I <laughs> no, actually did some up. research. A little bit of research called watching YouTube videos. There you I go. Gonna, <laughs> I am going to borrow those those DVDs, though. I'll have to find them. I don't know what I did okay. with them. But I yeah. do have a story in here about a town that's very similar to <laughs> Northern Exposure, and it doesn't end well. So, oh, no. Spoilies. <laughs> All right. So, I'm going to tell some of the creepy stories that have happened. Uh, they kind of fall into six different categories i'm gonna touch on each category and hope that i don't ramble on too much about them because each of these stories like could be a podcast on their own Uh, and some people have done podcasts on each of them so i'll just touch on them but the i want to talk about missing persons disappearing planes mass murder serial killers monsters and aliens all right so we are running the gamut today 
Okay, so we're going to start by talking about missing peoples in Alaska because there are more than 16,000 people who have gone missing in the Alaska Triangle part of Alaska since 1988, which is twice the national average per state. And that, and so the, that's just straight up numbers, not like p- compared to population, like not per capita. So the like low, low population of Alaska still has twice as many missing persons in between 1988 and now as uh, the uh, national average. I do have one more I, question oh. just for, for my own brain to like reference. How much of the Alaska Triangle is like Alaska covered? That's a really good question. It is... Like, less than half, it seems like, just visually. So, like, Alaska is is kind of, like, straight over here, and it's kind of, like, rounded on this side, uh, and then it has these like little peninsula little things. And, like, the triangle is kind of, like, from the middle and then down like this. So it's, like, half the state minus the little bit up here. Okay. So, so the there's triangle still, is- like, a big old chunk of Alaska that, like, doesn't have this weird... Well, like, yeah, like theoretically, okay. there's a big old chunk of Alaska. There, I will say there's a big old chunk of Alaska that is not this triangle. Okay. But it still has a bunch of weird shit that happens. Maybe it's just Alaska. Well, yeah. I mean, well, spoil, spo- spoiler alert, but I think that's probably going to be the conclusion. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's good. I, uh... I looked it up so I don't need the question answered, but I was going to ask if the Highway of Tears goes through Alaska, but that's like all just British Columbia. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. like a huge area where a lot of indigenous women are yep. missing or murdered. Yeah. And I feel like Alaska has a very similar makeup to certain parts of Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like the missing people, especially if they're like missing indigenous people, I feel like is... Sim- similar to the the things that are happening in Canada. I don't know. That's just conjecture. And I, I think that could be a, a sub-population of the larger missing population. Um, I don't know. I don't really have numbers. But they also have, um, you know, a lot of hikers who go missing, a lot of tourists who go missing. Um, so I think, I think that the... 16,000 is just a hell of a lot of people, yeah. and I think it covers yeah. a lot of different types. And so that's not to say that there aren't, like, atrocities against indigenous peoples within mm-hmm. those 16,000, but um, I don't think it's the entire makeup of those 16,000. Yeah. I mean, you already have, like, six categories of things that have already... Of other... Shenanigans yeah. that have happened. <laughs> of other shenanigans, yeah. But I think that the missing people is one of the biggest um, pieces of evidence for the Alaska Triangle. Because that 16,000 is, they say, is just in the Alaska Triangle. Uh-huh. So it doesn't cover even the rest of the state. Um, it is twice the national average for other states. And it is... Alaska, in general, has the highest number of people never found. Oh. Dang. And because of their low population, when you're talking per capita, it is four out of every 1,000 people in Alaska go missing. Oh, my God. That's <clears throat> a lot. It's a lot. So, That's like, it's, it's a lot when you're not ac- accounting for the population. Then when you count for how low the population is, is a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. So there are hundreds, thousands of missing people reports. Uh, they say that between 500 and 2,000 people uh, are added to the missing person register every single year in Alaska. But I do want to tell just one one story that I think is kind of unique and a little bit creepy and kind of highlights some of the more creepier circumstances around some of the disappearances. Because certainly, you know, you go on a hike into the wilderness, things can happen. And there's always other like reasons for disappearances, you know, murder where they never find the body or whatever. But there's also a lot of creepy experiences around disappearances. So I'm going to tell the story of the Palmer brothers, who are two brothers who disappeared under very similar circumstances, 
but their disappearances were actually 10 years apart. Oh. All right. So Mike Palmer was 15 years old when he disappeared in 1999 in Wasilla, Alaska. He had been hanging out at a friend's house staying the night and they all snuck out to go to a party. He had a few beers, but did not become intoxicated when they all left the party at about four o'clock in the morning. At 15, I have a hard time believing that you had a few beers and weren't intoxicated. <laughs> I don't know. It's middle. It's Wasilla, Alaska. Maybe they didn't have anything better to do than That's drink true, beers. I guess. That Maybe. Was the I, mean, with, I have two beers drinking. now and I'm like, I don't know if I What's should What's the beer <laughs> of Alaska? Coors or Bud? They There's, probably don't have a lot of... Okay, no, up. they have the Alaskan Brewing Company and they actually oh, have some yeah. really oh, yeah, good, some good stuff. beers and seltzers. Mom mentioned... Oh. Coors, oh, okay. and I want to say that, like, out of all of the seltzers that I've tried, which is a lot, surprisingly, Coors is my favorite because it has the Ew. least alcoholic-y taste. Like, it, it tastes the most like a normal seltzer to me. So, he may or may not have been intoxicated because <laughs> he was only 15. But the point was, he went to this party in the middle of the night, had a few beers, and then he and his friend were riding their bikes the nine miles back to the friend's house to go to bed at four o'clock in the morning. And he started falling a little bit behind the other two, so they stopped to wait for him at a 7-Eleven, but he never like showed up. He never caught up. And they were like, oh, maybe he just went home to his own house. So they left, and then he was never seen again. Oh. The only sign of him that was ever found was the uh, his bicycle or at least one that was like it, was found in a river. And shoes like his were found about 200 yards from the river. Um, and so there's lots of speculation that maybe his friends were lying. Maybe he never left the party. Maybe he was actually murdered or kidnapped by someone at the party. But nothing has ever been substantiated. He just left that party at 4 in the morning, rode his bike, and disappeared. Huh. Dang. It was Bigfoot. Maybe <laughs> squat. Um, then the weird piece of this is that his older brother, who's about five years older than him, ten years later, uh, in April of 2010, he was 30 years old and he was on a guy's trip to Talkeetna for some snow machine riding. I guess is what they call it. Like snowmobiling is what we oh, would call it. They call them snow machines, I guess. I don't know. Um, I pictured like a Zamboni in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness. <laughs> like on the ice of like some lake. Zambonis over ice so they could skate. That's Canada, Hannah, not Alaska. So they went snowmobiling and it was him and the oldest Palmer brother, uh, their stepfather, a couple friends. And then same thing as what happened with Mike. They were all riding their snow machines back to the cabin when Chucky started to become separated and fall behind and he was never seen again same thing as with mike they found his snow machine uh it was about 12 miles away from the cabin but there were no footprints in the snow Weird. anywhere around it and it did snow a few more inches but there was no indication of like anyone being around there like it wasn't like a big old footprint that was then covered by snow or anything like there was no indication that he was anywhere near hmm. the snowmobile uh, and that was the only thing that they ever found of him. Turns out that the brothers did some weird ritual when they were younger and manifested well, this thing. Maybe. I, don't know. I mean, it's very similar disappearances. <laughs> they found the uh, the machines or the items or whatever they, yeah, were, that they were riding, like riding on, on, but never found the the brothers. Did they find the other guy's shoes? Hmm. No, I didn't see anything <laughs> about the shoes. Um, they did say that he was dressed really warmly, but he had no survival gear, so like no food, water, GPS. Mm. And they didn't even report him missing until the following morning uh, when no. there was a big snowstorm and then the search party was really, you know, inhibited because of the snowstorm. And so like one might think like, oh, he just died in the wilderness, but they never found any trace of him. Well, it's weird to me, the no footprints. Yeah, no, no footprints, no machine. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, like, that's unless weird he to maybe me. got like thrown from it and then it kept going without him or something. Oh, but not okay. only did they search the whole area, they also searched again after the snow melted and they never found his body or any sign of him. And this isn't like, oh, we're searching the entire national park for someone who went off into it. This is like he was here around this cabin. Yeah. And, and his snowmobile was here. here they saw around him this cabin like ten minutes earlier. They yeah. saw him, and, and then, then they, I guess they actually saw him going the opposite direction from what he was supposed to. And they thought he just got turned around. But then even still, they found the snowmobile. Like there's only a limited area. Yeah, that's also weird. If he was like going the wrong way, like maybe yeah. he was. They like, thought he just got turned around, but maybe he was by something or disoriented, or maybe he just or, like really took his brother's death really hard. And it took 10 years. He actually had kids, which is really sad. Oh, that is really sad. Um, but they never found him. And so both brothers disappeared within two year, 10 years of each other in That's very crazy. similar manners, just like riding with friends and then just disappeared. And just gone. Weird. So there are stories like that all over the Alaska Triangle of people just disappearing. So that's that's crazy. Yeah. And there's a lot of logical reasons that you could put to it, like the weather, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. wilderness, wild animals. Well, you know, the first but brother, was there any weird weather? Was it? I mean, if he's like riding his bike around, it was in June. So yeah. June of 1999. So like, it's pretty. An, nice an abduction would yeah. be what I would think there if yeah. you had a logical explanation. But when you have so many experiences yeah, exactly. like that, you start to wonder. Is there more to it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like you can explain away one thing, but then multiple. And this one was especially weird because they never found any trace of him. And the no footprints. Like well, the no footprints. That it was so similar to his brother exactly. too. Like that, it was it almost like makes the two you incidences that were like it, identical to each other. Maybe it was aliens. Well, Ooh. yeah. Spoilies. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that is. Um, Subcategory number one. Subcategory number two is disappearing planes. So there are tons and tons of planes who have disappeared in the Alaska Triangle. There are two stories that are often used as like the most compelling evidence for the Alaska Triangle existing. So the first was in January of 1950. There was, for those plane people out there, a Douglas C-54D Skymaster. All right. You know, now you can picture it perfectly, right? Now Kyle's happy. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't might, know. You might know sure. what it is. A plane. No, Kyle would absolutely know he what it is. He probably would. <laughs> uh, but it was an that. Air Force plane uh, that left an airfield outside of Anchorage to head down to Montana. Uh, it had eight crew members, 34 military passengers, and two civilian passengers, actually a pregnant mother and her two-year-old son, who were um, just like family of an Air Force sergeant. And they were all going down to Montana. So it's about that size. It could hold like 50 passengers. Mm-hmm. So picture that size in the okay. 1950s. All passengers were equipped with parachutes and they were supposed to have regular radio check-ins because it could actually it could be a rough route in terms of weather. Uh, so the radio operator checked in about two hours after takeoff over the town of Snag in Canada. So this is in that little corner of Canada that's a part of the triangle. And then they were never heard from again. Thanks. No sign of the plane or anyone on it has ever been found. The U.S. and Canadian militaries launched a huge military rescue uh, that involved 98 planes and over 7,000 people. Three planes actually crashed during the search operation. Oh, geez. <laughs> and the crew from one of those planes had to be rescued themselves, but they never found any evidence of the original Douglas Skymaster. No plane no plane, nothing. no Weird. passengers, no radio call, no distress call, oh nothing. No parachute because they all had parachutes. parachutes. Nothing. Hmm. So it might have gone down in weather uh, or like rough air currents. Might have been covered by snow in a remote area, but no no trace of it to ever be found. It's been 70 years. 
That's crazy. Seventy years, they should—they should have. You would think they would have found something. I guess Alaska's huge. Alaska's huge, and so is that part of Canada. But they know the way that they should have been flying too. Yeah, and they know where their last radio check-in was. They were right over. I mean, if they got like turned around or like blown by crazy weather, what if they like? How far away is it from the ocean? Did they get like? um, They were kind of following the the like coastline a little bit, but they were a little more inland if they were over Snag Canada. Yeah. But they the path does generally follow like that coastline a little bit. Geography. So if they got turned around and headed towards the ocean, Mm -hmm. they could have potentially crashed in the ocean. It wouldn't be. They could have crashed in the ocean. They could have hit a mountain and then triggered an avalanche. That's one common theory that comes up with a lot of these plane disappearances. They actually run into a mountain and then it triggers an avalanche. Like in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Isn't yeah. that the one where they run into know. the mountain? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so it, there could have been a lot of things like that. Everything <sighs> is Indiana Jones. But it was just such a big plane to have, and so many people missing. And it's not the only one. There are tons of others. So the other uh, plane story was in 1972 uh, was a Cessna 310C, which only had four passengers. It was carrying two U.S. congressmen, uh, Nick Begich, who was in the Alaska. Uh, House representative, and then the House Majority Leader from Louisiana, Hale Boggs. They were up in Alaska campaigning for Begich's re-campaign, and then they were flying back down to somewhere. I don't remember where. Somewhere in the lower 48. So it was like two pilots and... So it was one pilot, two congressmen, and then one of their aides. So four people. Um, They had just had... The Cessna had just had a routine maintenance check. It had been flown the previous day. It should have been good to go for the flight. They were headed towards Juneau, I guess. Now I see where where they were going. So they're going from Anchorage to Juneau. So this is right along the line of the triangle. Mm -hmm. And so they radioed flight service station uh, to confirm the flight path about 10 minutes after takeoff. And then they never were heard from again. Uh, So this is another one where they launched a huge search because these are two two U.S. congressmen. Yeah. So the search lasted 39 days, involved hundreds of planes, including an SR-71, which is the spy plane that's super cool. Kyle, yeah. Kyle will know what that is. <laughs> um, it included dozens of ships, hundreds of ground searchers. And so many people think the plane just encountered bad weather and went down because it was supposed to be a little bit iffy. There was supposed to be ice in the clouds and it was supposed to be a little bit turbulent. However, another theory is that the plane was intentionally bombed in an assassination attempt on Representative Hale, the one from Louisiana, because he was involved in the Kennedy assassination investigation. Oh. And because he was a supporter of the civil rights legislation at the time. So people think... The FBI did it. That he might have been, I guess some people even think like Jay, like, was it President Hoover? Was Jake or Hoover president? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was he president at the time? I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. Uh, they, some people think it was Hoover. Who? It was the FBI. Maybe it was he the was, FBI. If he was involved in the fucking civil rights movement at the time, they killed Jay, or they killed Martin Luther King. They killed this guy too. Well, but it <laughs> could have been the CIA because the CIA after Kennedy. It, you That's would true. think they would still find something. I love our pieces wild of the plane. But if it was an FBI Kennedy theory, if it was an FBI conspiracy, they could pretend to be looking for the plane all along, exactly. knowing yeah. where it was, and then and, and not find just, it, oh, and not look in the it. right area or whatever. Yeah. So those are two of the more compelling um, disappeared plane stories. But planes go missing all the time in Alaska. The one that was the two congressmen in 1972 is actually what really initiated a lot of the speculation on the Alaska Triangle. And it was in 1972 that people started calling it the Alaska Triangle. But there's there's lots. And, and also, I will say that it's not just like older planes with like old 
equipment or like not as advanced technology. But even as recent as 2013, a plane went missing just without a trace, just did its radio check-in and then never was heard from again Uh. sort of thing. So this happens a lot. I have a question. How far is the plane, like how long is the plane ride from Anchorage to Juneau? Uh, Three and a half-ish hours. So that's pretty wild because that's not that long of a plane that's, flight it takes a, it takes me less time to get from here to sacramento it's no, like a two and a half might be hour less now well, that no, was his in, flight plan oh, in 1972 that makes like sense three and a half but hours. in but terms of a plane insane. going missing in only the span of like three and a half hours when they checked in right after takeoff <clears> like that yeah. that's not that much time for them to have like gotten lost mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. i don't know that was just me trying to wrap my head around again how big Alaska is. The Alaska's fact that it huge. takes me two and a half hours to get to Sacramento, but yeah. it takes like three hours to get from Anchorage to Juneau. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, well, it took like five hours for us to get up there to Anchorage, and Anchorage is on the you know south side of Alaska. And then it took us like we were on the train for like eight hours, and then on a bus for ten hours to get back down to Seward. Like oh, it's wow. a big you didn't take ass any, state. You didn't take any crazy little planes or anything. We didn't take any planes, and but flight is huge up there because some towns, like in Northern Exposure, can only be accessed by plane uh, because of the water around them, and mm-hmm. because of especially in the winter seasons. Um, so flying, like planes, are huge all over the place. We I'm going to convince Kyle it. to move to Alaska, and then maybe he'll get his butt around to get <laughs> no, his pilot's license. No, you'll disappear. I'm yeah, good. It's not a very safe space. I'll get abducted by aliens. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Do you want to hear about how you might get murdered? Sure. All right. <laughs> so the next category is mass murder trying to make it sound fun fun (laughs) so uh the story i want to share about this one about uh mass murder was in 1983 uh in march lewis hastings murdered six of the 22 residents of the tiny town of mccarthy alaska it's like almost half yeah it's like it's really sad actually so hastings had recently moved to the area um like a less than a year before uh and he was hanging out with a man named Chris Richards one night. They were just hanging out, playing a board game. It was his neighbor. He went home, and then the next morning, he went back to Chris Richards' house and shot him quite suddenly. So um, he shot him, like, in the side of the face, I think. Uh, and so, but Richards was able to fight back. He was actually able to stab Hastings a few times before he ran away out into the snow, and he stumbled about half a mile to another neighbor ha- neighbor's house, and this was the home of Tim and Amy Nash. I'm going to give you a lot of names, but I think it's important because people died. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you their names, and also um, it's just a little easier to follow if you have a few names. So we have Chris Richards, who got shot, ran to Tim and Amy Nash's house. So the shooter, Hastings, continued into the town. It was a Tuesday, which meant it was mail day. So most of the residents would all come into the town to meet the mail plane. And it was their opportunity to gather and see each other and talk to each other because they were very isolated. And so they would go to the home of two of the residents in town, Les and Flo Hegland, who lived really near the airstrip. Uh, And so Hastings made his way into town towards the airstrip, uh, because it was mail day, and moved to the Heglins' home, and then he shot and killed both of the Heglins. Uh, resident Maxine Edwards was also there because she'd made her way in to meet the mail plane, and so she was there with the Heglins in their home, and he shot and killed Maxine Edwards as well. After uh, Tim and Amy Nash had helped 
Richards, the first guy shot with his wound because he made it to their house. He helped him with they helped him with his wounds. They were like, you know, shit, Hastings is heading into town. So they all made their way into town on their snow machines, trying to go to where the mail plane was because they knew residents would be soon be gathering there. Uh, so they met a pilot and they were able to load up Richards so that he could be taken on the plane to get medical care. And Tim Nash said he was going to go and see if he could find the Heglins. He went into their home and he found that, or well, he didn't see them, but he saw blood everywhere and encountered Hastings, who then shot at him and shot him in his leg. So he came running back out to the plane. He told the plane, like, go, go get us help. And then Tim and Amy Nash decided to stay at the airfield so they could warn any other residents as they were coming to meet the mail plane. But Hastings looped back around outside of the Heglins' home, went to the airstrip, He fired 10 rounds from a distance at the Nashes and then two more shots as he was getting closer and then two final shots into their heads. He then attempted to hide their bodies in the snow nearby. Then the final uh, victim, Harley King, had picked up his neighbor, Donna Byram, on his snow machine to go down into the mail plane. Like, this was a thing. It's Tuesday. Everyone goes down to get their mail. And as they were nearing the airstrip, Hastings opened fire on them um, King and Byram were both hit, and King was trying to keep driving the snow machine, but he lost control because he had been hit in his leg, and they were thrown into the snow. King couldn't move, so he told Byram to run and save herself, and as she was running, she heard two shots behind her. A King had been shot in the head and killed as well. Byram fled and was able to hide and survive. So at this point, just to recap our lovely situation, <laughs> we have one person who was shot and loaded on a plane to be taken away. Uh, two uh, Heglins and Maxine Edwards were shot at the Heglin home. The Nashes were shot on the airfield and then hidden. And then King was shot as he was approaching the airfield. So at this point in time, Hastings took off on the Nashes snow machine and he was quickly intercepted and arrested. He was intercepted by helicopter and he was arrested. So his reason for murdering six of his neighbors was that he wanted to destroy the Trans-Alaska oil pipeline. So this was 1983, so it was a, it's a big story in Alaska, the Trans-Alaska Oil Pipeline uh, being created. Uh, many people were against the pipeline because they wanted to protect the pristine wilderness of Alaska. And they also wanted to prevent like the development that came with the, the oil industry coming in. So his plan was he was going to steal the mail plane. First, he would have to kill any residents who were around and kill the pilot. And he was going to fly the mail plane to a pump station along the pipeline, explode a fuel truck, and damage the pipeline, and kill himself in the explosion. But he just killed a bunch of people and got arrested. It's crazy. You have to think, too, in a town with 22 people where the mailman only comes around once a week, like, how long does it take for police to show up? Like, how isolated? Like, your neighbor is half a mile away. Yeah. Well, and I was actually surprised to hear how quickly it happened. So as soon as the p- pilot took off, he was radioing. First of all, he was radioing saying, hey, mail plane, don't come. Yeah. And then he was radioing authorities who could come by helicopter. Yeah. And it's because they had airplane, like they uh-huh. had aircraft, helicopter, they I could mean, intercept them. I mean, you think, him. too, in the 80s with no cell phones and you only have landlines yeah. and like, you know. Which is actually why. How would why, you even get to a phone? Like, <laughs> Which is why we really need to acknowledge the heroics of the first man shot, Chris Richards. Yeah. Because because he fought back and stabbed Hastings, potentially slowed him down because he so quickly notified neighbors, yeah. he might have prevented some additional um, yeah. killings. Yeah. However, very sadly, he actually never really recovered physically or mentally from this trauma. He had survivor's guilt, depression, alcoholism. And at the time of his death in 2001, he was having hallucinations and try- he was trying to get sober from alcoholism, but he was having hallucinations 
um, and he died in a house fire. Oh, that is so very sad that he really, you know, Hastings really killed seven people Mm -hmm. in his uh, shooting spree. Yeah. But the thing that makes this really intriguing is that Hastings, you know, he was educated. He was a computer engineer. He had actually gone to Stanford in California. So, like, what makes a person kind of lose it like that? You know, he was hanging out playing a board game with this man the night before and then went and tried to shoot him and kill him in the morning. So what makes that happen? Is it the triangle? Is you know what is it about the triangle that like makes that sort of stuff happen? Isolation. Maybe it is. I yeah. Mean, if you live in a town with twenty people, and also like, like he, I work with twenty people. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe it's also just the um, you know you get caught up by your ideals and mm-hmm. and that you know you become a zealot and that that happens too. But especially so, when you're that isolated and you don't have necessarily like the the exposure to other viewpoints and mm-hmm. other, you know, just yeah, like that's true. The, you can the like worldview that, and especially like with the internet now, like it's like almost too much. Yeah, but, but you like, could like easily cycle, and yeah. like they didn't even have electricity in this town. Some people had generators, oh so like mail day was a big deal in this town, mm-hmm. and he just destroyed everybody, it. Everybody gets stressed up for mail day. Yeah, they're all excited, <laughs> especially in the winter. Like they didn't even have any summer tourists. Like nowadays, you'll apparently McCarthy will get pretty good summer traffic, so um, they're not quite as isolated. Yeah, but in the winter, I don't know if I don't think it's a small, but in the winter, it's still a very small group of people who stay year round. Well, and even oh. here in Colorado, where like it's not even nearly as severe, like the long nights, yeah. I go crazy. Yeah, even here in Colorado in the winter. Yeah, you know? and like, there <laughs> they they had very little um, sunlight, of course, uh-huh. in the winter. So there's lots of different reasons why it could have happened. But I will just end the speaking like it's my only example of mass murder. But just thinking about murder in general that happens in Alaska. Um, Alaska is actually the second most dangerous state for violent and property crimes in the nation. What is the first? Is it I Illinois? I think it's Louisiana. Oh, maybe really? Louisiana. I just think with Chicago. But I, I'm forgetting. Chicago's bad, but I think uh, we can look it up later, but I yeah, think we'll it was it up Louisiana, on the break. but it is also the most dangerous state for women in the U.S. So that doesn't oh. relate to this particular story, but speaking about, you know, just yeah. women who are raped and assaulted, it's the most dangerous state in the entire union. Um, and also it has the ho- fifth highest homicide rate in the country. And it also has the highest rate of serial killers, <laughs> which is going to be my last little thing I'll talk about before we go to break. Serial killers. Serial killers. (laughs) Serial killers. So highest rate of serial killers in the country. Um, Not that many, like, number-wise, but this is rate per capita. So, Mm -hmm. like, based on population. The serial killer who has the most known kills in Alaska was Robert Hansen. Yep. You know of him? Yep. Yep. (laughs) He was known as the Butcher Baker. Maybe y'all have even more information than I do, but I was just going to touch on him. He raped and assaulted over 30 Alaskan women and killed at least 17 of them. So uh, Hansen was actually born in Iowa, but he moved to Alaska approximately five years before he is believed to have started killing. So maybe something happened to him in Alaska. Maybe all that energy in Alaska made him crazy. Uh, His killing spree lasted from 1972 to 1983 when he was finally arrested. I do think, too, like visiting Alaska is really cool, but I think it does take a special kind of person to move to Alaska. So I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like to make the choice to be so isolated, I feel like is a choice that you would either need to be driven to make, which like working at Starbucks in Denver, I'm close (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, like, but he, but it also 
like it's well documented how the light affects people and like yeah. the depression that happens yeah. in the winter. That would make me crazy. I would have to have like a summer home somewhere or a winter home. Somewhere and a lot else of people do if that. I lived and, in Alaska. In <laughs> fact, we found that there were not a lot of people, or they were all understaffed, like the whole world is right now when we were up there visiting. But a lot of the reason for that is that so much of their summer staff comes from people who just come up for the yeah. summer. So a lot of people do that. And then that didn't happen as much this year because of COVID. So. Um, but so Hansen uh, was convicted and sentenced to 461 years in prison, and he died in 2014. Uh, so he served his his yeah the rest of his life in prison and died. Um, but he killed 17 women in Alaska within the Triangle around Anchorage. Um, there's also a more recent serial killer. Uh, incident in the summer of 2016, five people were murdered in parks and on trails outside of Anchorage, which was really impactful for Anchorage residents because like trails are their safe space, their happy space. Like we have it here in Colorado too. Um, So people felt super um, scared, you know, just to even go about their day. It was all really in the middle of the night on the trails, but, or early, early morning, but uh, the murder occurred, murders occurred in three separate incidents. But all the victims were shot with the same gum, gun, not gum, gum, Um, bubble gum. And then uh, later in that year, in November, police actually were just attempting to question a man because someone reported that he jumped out of a cab without paying his cab fare. And when police were trying to question the man, the man drew a gun and started firing on the police. So two police officers returned fire and killed him. The man was named James Ritchie. And that gun that he was using was the one that was responsible for the murders. So in 2016, uh, this serial killer killed five people, but then was was killed himself. And so that serial killing ended, ended. there. Um, so lots of, of murder and violence and, and mm-hmm. sad stuff. But when we get back from break, we'll talk about more mystical stuff. Ooh. Paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, Kelly. Good stuff. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back soon with the rest of the story. Uh, Hi there, everyone. Salem here. And it looks like our break is going to be a little bit longer than usual. Kelly just had too much good content for me to try to shove it all into one episode. So this will be a two-parter. Join us next week to hear more of Kelly's stories on the Alaska Triangle. And um, since you won't hear our Things That Don't Suck this week, I thought I would give you one of my own. My thing that doesn't suck is that this weekend we're back in the studio, so soon you will have some more relevant new content. Please, if you'd like to reach out to us, you know where to. It's ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, F'd Up Family Storytime. Um, review us on your streaming platform or send us an email, comment. We would love to talk with you. And until next time, lock your door.